sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, or as we're going to call it this week, I think Sports Talk with Nate and Aaron. Ooh, put in the ESPN. Is there ESPN music? Do they have like a theme? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Your eyes got wide just like mine. Like, well, <laughs> why, why would either of us know? I know. Yeah, that's why, that's why it's funny. Uh, I Every now and again, I tune into a sports talk radio and there are multiple channels. I mean, there is an awful lot of sports talk that goes on. Uh, and it's uh, there was a time in my life when I did listen to a fair amount of sports talk, uh, but that was during active addiction when I was really trying to distract myself from what was going on. Not to say oh, okay. that you can't be in recovery and listen to sports talk. That, but or, that's, that, or that every guy that's watching football isn't just doing it because he's looking at right. porn. No, uh, we're not saying that. Well, no. so Not so every guy. Since, anyway, go ahead. Since, <laughs> since moving here, Southerners uh-huh. love their football oh yeah absolutely so so i keep trying i keep trying um i stopped watching football i didn't watch it much then but like around 1986 okay um so uh, there's so many teams that i've never didn't know there were teams in those towns and or they moved right well that's true that's very confusing um but uh, because i'm here the titans were playing two weeks ago Mm -hmm. And yeah. I thought, okay, I can't sit down and watch it, but I can put it on my laptop. Yeah. And I got Paramount Plus. It was worth yeah. $4. Right. And I, I cooked and watched. It was yeah. an exciting game. It was very mm-hmm. exciting. We, uh, we see, I said, we That's lost. Good. Very yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. But then, then it had the post game wrap up. Yeah. And I was so confused. Uh, my hands, I had chicken all over my hands. That's what was happening. So I couldn't turn it off. <laughs> they start talking about what I had just seen. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I don't even follow football. And I know what I just saw. Yeah. Here's yeah, yeah, why yeah, they yeah. lost. Yeah. And yeah, they talked yeah. forever. And I thought, what? Now, you guys, please. I mean, I got so much crap about the roundabouts. You guys can be mean to me about this, too. Okay. I, I, I didn't understand and felt like this was preparation for future conversations that week with your buddies, like yeah, yeah, really yeah. smart things to say. I couldn't sure. figure out any other reason. Is there another reason, Nate? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, it is, it's definitely a bonding thing among guys and it helps. And uh, let's just say it helps in the U S uh, if it's during uh, the NFL season for you to know basically what's going on in football. Uh if you go to Canada, I, and now for years I would go to Canada in the wintertime, week after week after week. It's all speaking. curling. It's just curling talk the whole time. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's hockey, man. It is hockey like you would not believe. And I don't know crap about hockey. Um, and, and so it was difficult. But if you if you knew hockey, it was easy to initiate a conversation. Of course, the conversation would be about hockey, but at least you were talking. At least there's fights in hockey that are permissible. I love that about <laughs> hockey. I mean, I, I've never watched a, a full hockey match or a, yeah. a game, whatever they're called. Um, but the fights are always good. I YouTube that stuff sometimes. So the now, Titans watched, lost. Yeah. Well, I, oh, have I watched what? Oh, 
Have you watched Ted Lasso? Um, is that a movie? Oh, buddy. Ted Lasso is a, is an Apple Plus, Apple TV. Uh, uh, I think it's Apple Plus. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, starring uh, 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 Sudeikis. What's his first name? Anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. Jason okay. Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And, and, and the thing is, he is an American football coach, a collegiate football coach who takes a, you know, a, a division two team to the championship. And there's a video of their post-game celebration that goes viral. On the basis of that video, he is hired by a soccer team in England to be their coach. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know. And so it's English football, right? So he doesn't know crap about football uh, as it's played over there. But he becomes the coach. And it's it's charming and wonderful. And uh, it's also uh, as a. Uh, let's just say, well, yeah, yes. yeah. The, the the line, the vocabulary is colorful. I'm not. It's yeah. It's. I wouldn't call it a uh, Christian. Uh, any rate. Well, for me, Super Bowl is yeah. coming up. Although this yeah. will probably air after the Super Bowl. We have the uh, the the Bengals and the Rams, which I'm. Oh, excited. he knows who's playing. Well, I was well. I was on the phone with Tom Ryan during the uh, Chiefs. Oh, Chiefs sure, he's in Kansas City, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he loves that. Uh, but that wasn't who was playing the Rams. But I always loved the Rams outfits as a child. Loved their helmets. <laughs> I chose all my teams as a kid based on the helmets. So I'm excited to watch the game and have. And did my you know old... that the Rams had moved to LA? Uh, moved back? Yes, I had heard okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, I mean, come on, I. I was there. Eric Dickerson. That was my era. That's the okay. 80s. Okay. Uh, and okay. I got to meet Rosie Greer preaching. Oh, did you? Uh, wow. Did. Um, wow. He was Ram, right? I have no idea. Darn. I, I hope so. I hope okay. that sounded intelligent. Uh, so I'm excited about it, but I love it just because it gives. I have trouble getting people to get together. Uh-huh. And so I love the Super Bowl because there's always a group of people that want to get together. And oh eat yeah, and yeah, hang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that's what I'm looking forward to most. This is the most ridiculous sports conversation ever. I'm not sure. <laughs> what. That was it. This is sports talk with Nate and Aaron, and I'm and, really kind of exhausted. And that was what I know. Yeah. sports talk with <laughs> Nate and Aaron. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna switch things up completely. Uh, we're gonna change the subject radically with a with a upcoming conversation with a guest that uh, I think you're gonna find. Uh, thought-provoking. She's a great lady. You'll hear from her as soon as we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Our guest today is a remarkable woman, lady I met a few weeks ago. Turns out uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, she has been working uh, in, uh, yeah, in the field uh, specifically of crisis pregnancy. And her name is Victoria Robinson. She is the founder of Reassemble. She is an author. She's a speaker, a pro-life leader with uh, a national ministry. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you, Nate. Thank you guys for having me. I, I'm so glad and, I told and, you this. And hey, no, before you go on, Nate, yeah. you said the words pro-life, and I yeah. hope 
that scares some of the audience right now and makes it feel like, well, this is the one that I want to skip. I don't need to hear this right now. Uh-huh. So, Victoria, my first question to you is, what do you have to say to the listeners who right now want to turn this off because it doesn't apply to them and you're just going to annoy them? Well, I would say uh, give me a chance. I'm not here to judge or condemn anybody. I don't care where you stand. Um, but I think it's convenient if you want to turn this off or not listen to anything about pro-life since you've already been born. Um, so <laughs> I would say just hang in there. I think you're going to be surprised. This isn't going to be your typical interview on pro-life. And, uh, you know, you can always turn me off as soon as we're done in about 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, give us some of your story. How did you come to, to this place where this is your passion, your vocation? Well, over 30 years ago, I was a single mother with two little girls. My husband decided he did not want to be married anymore. We lived in North Carolina at the time. So he said, see ya, basically left all three of us. They were nine months and three and moved to Mm -hmm. California. So he got about as far away from us as he could. There was no financial support, no emotional support. He promised to visit. He never did visit them. And it was it was a really tough time in my life for several years. And then I met someone at one of the two jobs I was having to work just to put food on the table since I wasn't mm-hmm. getting any financial support or child support from him. And I met a guy there that I fell madly in love with when a, a woman's husband says, I don't want you anymore. And she feels that kind of rejection. Uh, Many times, like for me, my self-esteem was shot to pieces and I felt Mm -hmm. unworthy. So when I met this guy, it didn't take him long to have me wrapped around his finger. And then nine months later, I found myself pregnant. So here I was a single mother with two little girls that I was already struggling to take care of and told my boyfriend I was pregnant, wasn't proud of it. I was real scared, as, as a matter of fact, but I never in a million years thought he would mention the word abortion. So when he said, we're not in a good place right now, let's wait till we get married. We can have children later. You can barely take care of the two you have. Then I called the abortion clinic in Charlotte, North Carolina, who also convinced me I'd be really selfish as a mom to two little girls to bring another child to feed. Since I was only six weeks pregnant, there was nothing there but a blob of tissue. Let's take care of it. It'll take about 15, 20 minutes and you can go on with your life, never think of it again. And so I did. I made that choice and I drove myself to an abortion clinic on a Saturday morning because my boyfriend was busy, lied to the babysitter that I was going to the mall and walked into an abortion clinic in Charlotte. I was not the same woman who an hour and a half later that walked out and it forever altered my life. And so for 10 years, I buried that secret. I didn't tell anyone Uh, All kinds of things were spiraling out of control in my life. I hated the person that I saw in the mirror. I couldn't believe that I could actually have done that. And it was over 10 years that I walked into a pregnancy resource center in Concord, North Carolina, and found the help that I needed, which was after abortion recovery, changed my life. And that's where my career in pro-life started. That was 27 years ago. Yeah, yeah. After abortion recovery, um, give us, let's get an idea of how big is the scope of this issue? How many folks might there be in the U.S., uh, male and female, who might be in need of some help in post-abortion recovery? 
Well, Nate, the numbers, which I don't believe the numbers, but let's just say the official numbers are, I think, 64 plus million since Roe v. Wade uh, children that have been aborted in this country. That's 128 million men and women right there who participated mm-hmm. in an abortion, the mothers and the fathers, if you include both, which we should. Uh, we try to tell the men, sit down, shut up. It's not your body. But I have some, uh, here, here's some free information. It's not her body either. That baby wasn't my body. That was a mm-hmm. separate body. So I think what I've learned over the years, and I was one of those people who blamed men, who had grown to hate men, because if it weren't for my boyfriend talking me into it, rather than saying, I'm going to support you, I wouldn't have chose abortion, but I felt trapped. That was my only option to keep him happy. I was struggling. Everything he said was true. So that's a lot of people that are suffering in silence. Some of them I meet, it's been decades since Roe v. Wade that they're telling me they need help. And the men are starting to speak up a little bit more, not as much, but I think that's, that's coming soon because I'm talking more and more about men. People like me are starting to talk more about men. When I first came out with my first book, They Lied to Us, uh, gosh, over a decade ago, I called the father of my aborted child because I thought he had the right to know about the book. Even though I had changed any identifying factors in the book about him, I just wanted him to know because we had a lot of the same friends. We had not spoken since we broke up. And nine out of 10 times when in a couple, when a couple choose abortion, you guys, they don't last. They get women are having abortions to keep their husband or to keep their boyfriends. But the abortion is too traumatic of an experience. And it's a constant reminder when you're together. So we mm-hmm. broke up. So here it was 10 years later, I call him, hadn't spoken to him. I just said, hey, it's me. He recognized my voice and he was crying so hard in the phone. I couldn't understand what he was trying to say. Finally, when he composed himself, he told me, I've been haunted by this and I've been in therapy eight years. Can you ever forgive me for what I made you do? Because I've been waiting for this call for over a decade to beg your forgiveness. I realized in that moment, one, wow, I thought he's gone on with his life and has forgotten about it. I'm the one dealing with the ramifications. But I realized then, wow, this guy is in pain, just like I was. And the second thing that I felt God spoke to my heart and said, don't ever forget these these men. These children had fathers and these fathers are hurting. And I have not ever since then, I have not ever shut up about men. And I have made sure that men know, I know you're hurting and you matter. Your voice matters. The abortion industry is a multi-billion dollar industry that would like to shut men up. And they know if they can keep men's mouths shut, they won't stand up and fight for these women and for their unborn children because they feel like, well, I don't have any rights here. It's her body. It's her choice, et cetera, et cetera. The abortion industry is very scheming and very manipulative. They know that their their, their best um, form to keep their business going, their multi-billion dollar business is to make sure they keep the men in their place, so to speak. So we've got to let men know you have the right to stand up for these children and you need to stand up for your children. So there's an important thing here because these are two different issues that have a lot of overlap, obviously, because they're both dealing with abortion. But it really shouldn't matter if someone's pro-life or pro-choice that they still acknowledge and deal with 
what is happening psychologically afterwards. And that, so that's a big open door. But to open that door is to admit that there are problems afterwards, which then goes back to the first issue, which is so don't deal with the second issue. However, for anybody that is, doesn't have anything to gain in this conversation, uh, they're not a part of the industry. They're not working for a doctor, a company that whatever they might have never considered uh, arguments about pro-life. Maybe they're pro-choice. But what you are saying is this is a whole other thing that needs to be addressed because people are suffering and it's not being talked about and for women. But also here we've got these guys and I'm sure we've got listeners right now that have dealt with this and haven't been given permission to speak. So Aaron, you're, you're absolutely correct, Aaron. We've got to be talking about this. This is I, I'm meeting people throughout my 27 year career in this work who are suffering from um, alcoholism, drug addiction. They've either attempted suicide or those that I've met whose family members did commit suicide, men that can't commit, men that have issues with bonding with their children because of the fear. They don't even know sometimes why they have these issues. And a lot of the after abortion trauma is both both male and female are experiencing the same kind of symptoms. So it is a very important topic to talk about. I had a woman who came up to me just a couple years ago, and she was at an event that I was speaking at, had no idea what I was going to be talking about. A friend invited her to come to this banquet. It was a sit-down dinner. And she walked up to me afterwards, and she said, can I talk to you? And I said, absolutely. And she was already emotional. And she told me that I had no idea what this was about. I had no idea what you'd be speaking on. And I want you to know that you talked about grieving the loss of your aborted child. You talked about getting help from the trauma you experienced after having an abortion. And I've got to tell you that it's been 30 plus years for me. And every time I've wanted to cry, I've buried it and said, you don't have any right to cry. You made the decision to abort. So you have no right to cry and grieve. Thank you, Victoria, for giving me permission to grieve. She said, and what is this after abortion recovery? I've never heard of it. I need it because I think about it every day. And I looked at her and said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she said, it was losses. It was my twin daughters. And I've, I was never able to have children again. So this is the kind of stuff going around the country that people don't know how to talk to someone because, let's face it, pastors aren't talking about it the way they should be in churches. And we have one out of four people in this country who's experienced an abortion or participated in an abortion when we're talking about men. They're sitting in churches every week. And what I say to pastors is, hey, buddy. Uh, you know, if you're not going to talk about it, how do you think they're sitting there feeling already feeling rejected by God, already feeling um, like they're just the lowest of the low? And when their own pastor won't address it, they're internalizing that and feeling like, well, he won't or she won't even say anything about it. That's how bad it is because it's the unforgivable sin. We have got to be talking about what happens after an abortion. And I'm convinced it's the back door, door approach to ending abortion. Just like when people learned about how dangerous smoking is, there's mm -hmm. not as many people who start smoking today because they've realized it can kill you. Well, when you realize how an abortion can affect your life, you might think twice about walking into that abortion clinic.
So how do you how do you make the church a place where there is freedom to disclose something when you have to walk through a parking lot and you see all the bumper stickers where you already know you're a murderer according to however many many vans you see that on before you get in how do you change the culture when when that's there well we change it by by having communication and having conversation but the challenge for someone like me is that it would probably shock most people to know i practically feel sometimes like I have to beg pastors to give me five minutes in their pulpit, let alone uh, bring a message about abortion from their pulpits. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we don't have anybody here who's dealing with that. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, really, let's pray that lying demon out of you right now, buddy, because you don't know what you're talking about. Um, because they are sitting in your churches because they end up calling someone like me. And asking me, why won't my pastor address this? Why won't my church offer help for this? So when we can change the conversation and just start having it, it'll change the hearts of the people. I was at an event recently where a man in the back was screaming murder at me. And I was, this was just very, not very long ago. So this is in this century, mm-hmm. of course. And I'm speaking, it's a Full, full auditorium, and I'm looking out at the crowd. This guy's in the back screaming, you're nothing more than a murderer. You shouldn't even be up there. You have no right to be speaking. And I just ignored him for a minute. But then I looked at the crowd, you guys, and I realized in this hundreds and hundreds of people, one out of four of them's had an abortion. If I don't address this guy, they're sitting there going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. See, she can't even talk to him because she knows he's right. So I did address him in a loving way. And um, they did end up escorting him out because he would not stop. And I've been healed. I've gone through healing. So he didn't bother me. I felt more pity for him for being so ignorant. But I felt my heart went out to those in the audience who haven't gone through healing yet, who had to carry that. So I made sure I addressed the crowd as well. So Uh, talk to us. Talk to us about this process of post-abortion recovery. Well, the first thing you've got to do is uh, find a person you feel safe to talk to about it. Find organizations like the one that I have founded, Reassemble, and you can go to reassemblelife.com. Get in touch with me. I can help you find the resources where you live, or you can come take um, re- come and join a retreat through Reassemble. But there are many after-abortion recoveries throughout the country. A lot of pregnancy resource centers are offering them now throughout the country. So if you can't find one yourself because you don't know where to look, get in touch with someone like me and I will be more than happy to help you. There is life after abortion. Does that pain ever go away? Well, I'll put it to you like this. I was speaking at another event and a woman came to me afterwards and she said, very sweet Christian woman. And she meant well, And she said, Victoria, she took my hand. She said, are you sure you're okay? Are you sure you've accepted Christ's forgiveness? And I said, yeah, I I have. Why do you ask? And she said, you just got so emotional sharing today. And it just made me feel like, oh my gosh, has she really accepted forgiveness and healing? And I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you have children? Yes, I have three. If you lost one of them, how would that affect your life? She said, I'd be devastated. I don't think I'd ever get over it. Well, it's no different for someone like me. I will grieve for the rest of my life, the child that 
I chose to, to walk into an abortion clinic and in the life of that child, I'll still grieve. Um, so I'm going to get emotional just like you would. So yes, God's forgiven. God can forgive. He can redeem. He's taken what the enemy meant to destroy me. And for 10 years, he basically wrecked havoc on my life until I found healing and I found forgiveness through Christ. And that's what changed everything for me. And now God has allowed me to not feel that my child died in vain because thousands of children, tens of thousands because of my work over these years, almost three decades now, over all, all of the downloads that people have watched of my testimony, the different places where I have spoken across the world, I know that tens of thousands of children are alive today because my baby died. Hmm. You know, I've, I've spoken with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys, heard countless stories in the last 15, 16, 17 years, however long it's been. And although it's not a constant theme, it's a common theme that I hear from men. Uh, men who were powerless to uh, prevent the abortion of a child that uh, of which they were the biological father and they're heartbroken uh, and they they but because they'd pro you know for whatever reason perhaps they'd proven themselves untrustworthy whatever uh, the woman made the choice uh, and also guilt uh, and even greater guilt I think the guys who have insisted upon an abortion, and I live with the, the, you know, the pain, the guilt, the regret. And, and, and that, that, that just provides a fulcrum for so much destructive uh, energy long-term in a guy's life. Yeah, it does. It's, and the behaviors too, Nate. And you guys think about it like this. Um, women were made, God made us to nurture. We give right. life, right? We carry yeah. our children. So when a woman comes to the realization, when she's desperate, the multi-billion dollar abortion industry preys on her vulnerabilities. When mm -hmm. she's at that point, they manipulate her when she's at the most vulnerable time of her life. When she comes to the realization that she ended the life of her own child. I mean, I've, 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 I've been a great mother to my daughters. Mm -hmm. And for some that would be like, Oh, really? You mm -hmm. are a good mother. Yes, I am. I'm a great mother. And I've been a great mother. My girls are, are all four of them are grown now. They're married. They're mothers themselves. And so when you realize as a woman what you actually did, that was your child that you mm -hmm. ended their life. It's very devastating. That's why women turn to all the different things we've already talked about. Depression, yeah. all the things. Think about men, men, God created to, um, you know, you guys are the ones who are the protectors. We're the protectors you take care yeah. of your women. You take care of your children. So when they come to the realization, I did not protect my own son or my own daughter. Mm -hmm. That's why it's devastating to him. So yeah. there it's, there's no way to say, well, it hurts the woman more. I'm telling you from my travels, from the thousands of people that I have met men and women, they are in pain. Those yeah. who have participated or had an abortion are in equally as much pain. Yeah. And although you may block that pain and put it out of your conscious mind, uh, any pain that is that is unaddressed 
still exerts a power, powerful influence uh, on movement. It'll come out in other ways. Yeah, sure it will. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you have spent the bulk of your career uh, dealing directly with, primarily with women. Uh, Do you feel as though in the months and years ahead, you're going to be more deliberate in your approach to, are there any plans coming together to address more directly the men who have been affected by abortion? Absolutely. Um, my first book is called They Lied to Us, and it was a compilation of, here it is right here, of yep. um, stories from women who've, who've chosen abortion. When I called the father, as I told you that story of my mm-hmm. aborted child, and I had the revelation and the realization that men are hurting, and then I started from that point on speaking about men wherever I spoke, they were coming up to my book table, the men, and they'd yeah. whisper or they'd take me to the side and say, Thank you. Yeah. Finally, someone saying something about us. So it started me on this thought process of, well, okay, Lord, what, what's going on here? So my next book, They Lied to Us 2, T-O-O, is coming out uh, very soon. And it mm-hmm. has stories of men, all, all men. I've been speaking at more men's events. I want to get in front of more men's events, as many as I can, sharing this message to them that you matter, your voice matters, and and you don't need to bury that pain anymore. Let's deal with it. Yeah, I have these retreats, as you said, Nate, I've been doing mostly with women over the 20, almost three decades now, but I'm, I'm getting ready to start men's retreats. And the reason that I had hesitated is because I'm a single woman mm-hmm. and these retreats are overnight. They start on Thursday, they end on Sunday. So my my mentality and mindset was, I'm not going to have retreats with men and and stay the weekend with men. And so even though I have other men who are post-abortive, meaning they've had, they've participated in abortions who work with the men. I've, I've been doing that for several years. If men call Uh me, I connect them with these guys, but two different people that I look up to and that are in ministry when I was sharing this with them. And and they both asked me separately, why aren't you going to do these retreats for men? And I shared my concerns. Uh, let's see. You think their wife's going to let them come hang out with some woman for four days <laughs> at a retreat? I don't think it's appropriate And um, as a single woman. And, and they said, well, Vic, you don't have to stay overnight. You mm-hmm. can have those men that assist you stay overnight at the retreat. You go off campus, but you're yeah. there for the group sessions every day because you yeah. represent the women they hurt. You represent those women who've had had abortions because of the decisions. They either forced them, as you said, Nate, talked them into it, lied yeah. to them, whatever the case, or they didn't know, yeah. frankly, uh, or, or begged her not to do it. So when they told me that, it made me think, you're right. And as I've spoken at all these different events and men have approached me, I've realized that's why they're thanking me because Mm -hmm. they've said, I thought I probably destroyed her. I've wondered, maybe she is okay. Maybe she doesn't hate me the way you don't hate him anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's very important that women be involved in the healing for men um, in the abortion industry, in in the abortion industry. a healing process, just as it brings healing to women when they hear from men saying, I am really sorry. I know my healing came full circle when he said to me, can you forgive me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I never realized that I had not fully forgiven him because I thought he didn't even care. Yeah. But that brings healing to women as well. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. So I imagine the resources for these guys is limited because even the resources for the women's limited. So it's got to be super limited for the guys. So you're talking about upcoming retreats. Are they also able to contact you to try to get directed uh, to whatever resources you know of in their towns? How, how do people do this? Give them a step. Yes, you can get in touch with me. I'm, there are more resource, resources than you think, Aaron. Um, and I will be putting together my first men's retreat over the next six months. Get in touch with me because it's limited space. I have right now the next two retreats with women is full. And I have a waiting list of about 40 women who want to mm-hmm. get in these retreats. So I'm going to continue training others to do these retreats. I want to see it just grow legs and run all throughout this country and be as involved as I can. I want to help churches learn how to do these retreats because they have people in their church who would get behind this. They have people in their churches who are post-abortive that would love to be involved in this. And as you said, Nate, or Aaron, one of you were talking about pro-choice. This is a human rights issue, number one, when we're Mm -hmm. talking about the unborn. And now we're talking about men and women who are suffering And I've had atheists, agnostics, all kinds of different people come through my retreats in 27 years. They get to the point where they're saying, I've tried it all. I don't care anymore that you're a Christian. I don't even care that you use scripture in these retreats. I am sick and tired of feeling this way. I need help. So... Get in touch with me, reassemblelife.com. Find me on social media, Victoria Robinson. I will help you get the help you need. All right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, uh, I look forward to more conversations uh, and more mutual assistance on down the road, Victoria. I'm so glad that you took the initiative to reach out to uh, connect with us. And thanks for taking the time today. To thank thanks, thanks for thanks for giving guys a voice. Thank yeah. you guys so much. And please, um, just just want to let everybody know. Get in touch with me. Don't be afraid to get in touch with me. I'm. It's all confidential. Uh, you know, you don't don't think because if you share your abortions story, that means you've got to do what I'm doing, telling the world. I for ten years, I couldn't even look in a mirror. And say to myself, by myself in a bathroom, you had an abortion. Now I'm going all across the world speaking about this because I want people to know, first of all, there are better options than abortion. And But if you've already chosen, there's help available for you. So we just want to make sure if you have a church, a men's, men's ministry, please get in touch with me. I want to get in front of these men. That's what it's going to take to get the word out, to have someone come in and talk to them and give them a safe place to land. So I'm excited about what's going to happen this year. And uh, I would love to hear from everybody. Whoever needs it, just reach out. If you know somebody that needs the help, reach out, whatever the case is. If you want to get involved, reach out. We'll figure it out together. Fantastic, Victoria. And we will be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And we are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. Victoria has a lot of energy. I like it. <laughs> she does. And she's a, she's a go-getter. We, uh, you know, 
she said uh, when she contacted me a few weeks ago that, you know, two people in the course of a single day had mentioned my name. She took that as a sign, looked me up and made a phone call. And, and uh, I hope it was good, together. whatever they said. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Although I can't I was, take that for, for granted. Hmm? I was thinking about guys who, who have carried this and knowing it's such a shameful thing and even victoria and her story how she kept it a secret for so long yeah yeah i wonder yeah. how many guys are now married have kids and their spouse doesn't even know about yeah. this yeah 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 and that that feels i mean that would feel terrifying as any disclosure yeah would but it becomes one of those secrets that just erodes away a part of your soul or how many women are carrying the secret, but but they, because they've, you know, mm -hmm. they're they're in a relationship. They uh, they have kind of agreed that abortion is something that's not to be done. Um, you know, they're a, they're a pro life family, and but she has not gotten the message from her husband that it would be okay for uh, that, that that is not the unforgivable sin and it would not wreck their relationship where she did disclose how many women are carrying a, a secret just because they wouldn't dare tell the husband because the husband hasn't uh, you know come out and said it would be okay I don't know I don't know but yeah. I do know I, but when you think about that many abortions and she made she makes a great point for every abortion there are two people. There is always a father, and we've focused an awful lot on the mother, but uh, that many abortions, there's an awful lot of guys, and, uh, you know, we do know, let's just talk about porn, for example. We know that porn use within the church is practically on the same level as porn use outside the church. That tells me that there are probably a significant percentage of sincere active christians sitting in churches who have some kind of an abortion story I, and if we I, if we have to keep that secret man wow yeah i remember being at a conference years and years ago got to be more than 15 where there was a special breakout group for pastors wives because yeah. of how many pastors wives had had abortions and oh really that was the impossible thing yeah. to confess and then it became the impossible thing to deal with and then yeah. like victoria talked about this comes out sideways in our lives in so many ways so yeah, yeah i mean it's it it is real yeah and and i think even if you haven't gone through it yourself um it is something for us to understand and be educated on so that we're even careful in how we talk about it about abortion in general because certain ways that we talk about it creates we uninvite anybody from honesty if we there you go careful. well said well said yeah yeah there are some things that it's safe to confess but abortion is murder and therefore that you just cannot uh confess that you have participated in any way in that sin yeah we got to change that it's yeah. all grace man it's all grace yeah well there you go. I think we've reached the end of our time together. Mm -hmm. Three uh, weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's nuts. It, not, and I'm looking on down the road, and I've I've got I've got four more conversations lined up. 
We're going to turn this uh, after all. Maybe, no, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going yeah, to. I don't it. even know what you were going to say, but don't. Don't say I it. Am I am not. I am making no promises, merely asking for his aid. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it, except to remind our listeners that we love to hear from them. We rely on feedback, suggestions from the audience. You can always reach us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Send a note, send a letter, ask a question. We love that mm-hmm. stuff. We haven't had yeah. a letter for a while. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I guess that's a wrap. Is that a wrap, Aaron? I think that's it. That's a wrap, but only if it rhymes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was such a dad joke. It just came out. <laughs> All right. So the standard close is that. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. the pirate monk podcast is produced by members of the samson society send your feedback or questions to pirate monk podcast at gmail.com please give us a five-star review on itunes and share the podcast with a friend for more information please visit samsonsociety.com